and he calls his own sheep by name. I love that. And leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. His voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from the voice of a stranger because they do not know, recognize the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. Jesus therefore said to them, truly, truly, he presents himself as the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. We'll stop right there. Ever since God called me to the ministry, and I was way back, and actually it was the same with Aussie. We didn't even know each other. She was just a teenager. I have, I've had a burden. And that burden, though I did not grow up in a Bible teaching church, I grew up in churches, bless their hearts, they were good men. But every Sunday was another version of John 3.16. And that's about as much as those dear, sincere, earnest pastors knew. But something in me always said, always said, there's just a vision, a burden God placed on me. People need to hear the Bible taught, explained. And I'd sit there, even young, and almost cry out, and Aussie did too. We, God brought us together. It was her saying, would somebody please explain the Bible? teach it and that's been it for all these years but I've learned some things and this passage will illustrate it things that I didn't understand well when I started out I had a little bit of reformer in me which is to say I had kind of a still have kind of a prophetic side. Now, that doesn't mean I hear voices of the Lord. I'm using it in an informal sense. There's always been, which ticks some people off mightily, a kind of prophetic side. And I want to tell it like it is. But because of that, in my immaturity, and I was idealistic about the church, local churches, and things I wish I had understood better when they started out, and I understand them very well today. It calms me. And I get some things a little righter than I used to, get less agitated than I used to. We'll talk about some of those things this morning, but they're in this chapter of the Good Shepherd. We're going the first seven verses today. Jesus is using a metaphor, 
of a sheep pen. It reminds me, and that's what was in Jesus' mind, you won't see it up there, of Psalm 100, verse 3. If I can ever get back there. There it is. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And he's the shepherd. Jesus picks up on that theme from the Old Testament. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the door into the sheepfold, Israel would have understood that, but climbs up some other way. Here's Jesus, the prophet. He, she, whoever they are, they're a thief and a robber. Hear it right here. Well, oftentimes I get this explanation from a good scholar, Donald Carson, D.A. Carson. He says that oftentimes, sometimes I revise these things in my own language. I don't remember which is which. Sometimes a sheep pen would consist of a large enclosure, maybe like this room. Several families pinned up their sheep for protection during the night, and they were divided, various pens. And they would hire a watchman to guard the door to the fold while the sheep were pinned up in the evening. Those who were authorized to enter the sheepfold would be cleared by the watchman, and they would enter through the door of the sheep. Now, that's the background picture. Well, in symbolism, the watchman would be God's designated guardians of the flock, that is, her leaders. The door in this metaphor signifies God's way of access. His messengers, the true prophets, and their faithful message. Obviously, I've left Carson now. Obviously, those with bad intentions toward the sheep, whether to steal them from their proper owners or to slaughter them, they would try, of course, to escape detection and gain access to the sheep pens by some other devious means than God's way. Still happening. It's been happening all my lifetime. It's been happening every generation since the Lord was here on earth. Now, in historical context, what Jesus has in mind in these verses are those religious teachers, as he had just confronted them in the last chapter, and the leaders of that day who rejected him. They were a self-seeking type and they infiltrated the sheep pens just as they do today, aiming to steal, to exploit, and to carry off flocks that belong to God. That's their intention. Now for us, we, his people, and I as a pastor, we've always got to exercise due diligence when it comes, to, it comes to this entity called the local church, we need to be wary, and believe me, I am. Sometimes I weary people by my being wary. We need to be wary of posers who do not use the door, the way of access 
to the sheep appointed by God the Father. Now there's an Old Testament background to what Jesus is saying and more than just the verse I read to you. I want to read to you, used to read it to my students a lot. Way back in Ezekiel, I'll get there. Ezekiel chapter 34, where the prophet in the Lord's behalf does what I've done sometimes over the year, rails against what we're seeing in our churches. Ezekiel 34, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel says, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Hey, they were supposed to be leading Israel. He says, no, get after them. Get on their, get on their backs. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Woe, you shepherds of Israel, we would say today, Woe, you shepherds of the church, who have been feeding yourselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat, and you clothe yourselves with the wool, and you slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. This is all a long metaphor. It's gone on in every generation, Israel, and right down to our day. Speaking to those shepherds or pastors, that's what the word pastor, pastor in Latin means a shepherd. Those who are sickly, you have not, not strengthened. And those who are diseased, you have not healed. The broken, you have not bound up. That's what Jesus is speaking about. The scattered you have not brought back, nor have you sought for the lost, but with force and severity you have dominated them. For they are scattered for lack of a shepherd, and they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. My flock was scattered all over the surface of the earth and there was no one to seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, speak the word of the Lord. As I live, verse 8, declares the Lord God, surely, My flock has become a prey. My flock has even become food for all the beasts of the field for lack of a shepherd. There might be people sitting in this position, but they ain't doing it. They're not teaching the word of God. And they're not caring. My shepherds do not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds feed themselves and do not feed my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, Hear the word of the Lord. That's as far as we'll go. Do you realize, I see it all the time. I get certain, the one thing called ministry watch. Do you realize how many people out there sitting where I said are just raking in money right and left? I mean raking it in. Not just hundreds, but sometimes millions of dollars. Yeah. They don't give a rip. It's all about them. 
It's all about their celebrity. It's all about their profile. It's all about their cars and their lands and their houses. Terrible thing. Well, in verse 1, as I said, the door signifies God's way of access, his messengers, the true prophets with their faithful message. In historical context, I said Jesus has in mind the religious teachers of his day, not just them, but specifically the ones he had just been contending with, the ones contending with him, the ones that wanted to do him in. Now, Jesus presents himself then and now as the true shepherd of the sheep. Despite their derelict ways and self-serving rapacity, the Lord declares back in Isaiah, I didn't read those, 10, 16, you can write it down. I'm going to eventually intervene. I'm going to rescue my flock from your unfaithful hands. This is not going to go on forever. I'm not going to put up with it, the Lord says. Finally, in that chapter, he promises them one great shepherd. He calls him my servant, David. The reference is not to King David, who's long dead and gone. But he means David's greater descendant, the Messiah. Those who climb up some other way to get access to God's flock include all false prophets and include occasional Messiah pretenders who would in those days occasionally pop up on the Jewish scene. This is what Jesus says. I'm about to read it. A spiritual instinct implanted by the Spirit of God. Let's read it. He who enters, verse 2, by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. Whoever he happens to be. If he's coming by the door, God's message, he's good. To him the door opens. And the sheep, get this, this is one of those things I did not understand well when I entered the ministry. I was idealistic. When I looked at the church, that's not entirely true, but I made my thinking has crystallized. When I came to church on Sunday and I looked at the church, I looked at the sheep pen. There was a tendency to do what everybody does, just to look at it as a sheep pen. They're all got sheep. Not quite. To him the shepherd opens, verse 3. And the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his sheep by name and he leads them out. Yeah, here's the deal. When the Spirit of God speaks, which is to say the Spirit of Jesus speaks, at that time he was present. When he speaks, guess what? Those who are his, those who belong to him, they may not understand everything, but there's a a responsiveness. There's a voice that they recognize. 
If you've ever been somewhere, I have, where somebody you're looking for, you don't see them, but you hear a voice, and you say, I know that voice. That's what Jesus is talking about. Somebody, know, they know that voice, and they go to it. And Jesus says, that's the way it is with my sheep, wherever they are. He's not talking about some sect or denomination, some great institution. He's not talking about Christendom. He's talking about his church, capital C, which comprises all throughout any generation who know him. They've got ears. And when I speak, they hear it. I've known so many people over the years, as you have, and good people. They're not educated people. They, they're just ordinary people. They may not have gotten past the eighth grade, like my wife's father, or the ninth grade, like my father. Grew up in the Depression era. Man, they had to work just to put bread on the table. My father-in-law had to go to signage on billboards and tear off some of that cloth stuff just to get stuff to make a dress for his wife so she could make a dress. Tough times. They didn't have a chance to get educated. But believe me, they were not stupid, either in life or once Roy came to know the Lord at 48. Once in a while he would say to me when I was visiting, Jimmy, uh, can you explain this to me? I, I don't understand this, but something about it doesn't seem right. That spiritual instinct. And they understand the voice of Christ, whether it's mediated through a person, through a book, or something like that. I don't mean they get everything right, but the essentials, they get right. They hear that voice. And it's Christ's voice. Early in my ministry, as I revert back to that, oh, I didn't yell and scream. That was never my way. But you've heard me use the expression, I'd get more sweaty than I needed to. Sometimes thinking that if I'd say it just a few more times, if I'd say it just a little more emphatically, <sighs> that my pastoral voice would come crashing through the wall. They'd get it. And then I'd get back to the door. It's funny now. I'd get back to the door. There's only one way out of our church. They had to go past me, <laughs> which some didn't want to do. But there's no other way out. So they'd come past me, and I had pretty well certified goats coming through the sheep pen. I'd take their hands, and I would have thought that conviction would be dripping all over them as they came. No such thing. I'd take their hand, and I would say, Hi, brother so-and-so. I could give you the name, but I Hi, brother so-and-so. And he'd give me a limp hand like that. He'd say, hi, preacher. Nice talk. Talk. 
I mean, I didn't say anything like this, but it, uh, are you crazy? That wasn't a talk. That was a cannon shot right across your bow. Didn't you hear it? No, he didn't hear it. She didn't hear it. And then I'd have another one come by, and he was grumbling. One, I'm sorry, John, I'll get him, brother. I can still see him, if they don't want to see me. And it'd go on like that. Another one come by. I mean, this literally happened. And now he'd want to argue with me. And I'd quickly get rid of him. And then here it come, and I've got a, a literal picture in mind of those early days when I was just, you know, in my late 20s. And here had come a couple of ladies, certified sheep, and they'd have tears in their eyes. And they'd say, Pastor, thank you for that. I needed that. I didn't do this physically, but inside I went, oh, my gosh. I would never have talked that way to you. I was talking to the goats. <laughs> I'd have never spoken to you that way, but they were sheep. And through it all and through my ears, they heard the voice of Jesus. And that's the way it is. I didn't pick up on it all so well right at the time, but that's the way it always is. That's what chills me out. I know, or any pastor in my position knows, that when we're up here, I know it better than I did then. If they're sheep, they may not get it immediately, but the Spirit of God will help them get it. And they're not going to take offense at what they know to be His Word. Maybe He didn't tone that just right. Maybe it could have been said this way or that way. But that's the voice of Christ, and I know it. And the tears were in the eyes. Relax. When Jesus comes into this audience or any other audience where the Word of God is being taught, we're coming through the door. God's message and God's messengers, weak and failing as we are, they will hear what is Jesus. They will hear His voice as imperfect as the messengers are, and it's not going to throw them, it's not going to knock them out of the box. And then there will be those others, as there are in every church since the church began, who are goats. And they're going to react like goats and go start headbutting the pastor and whoever. That's the way it's going to be. Just Relax. When that prophetic voice comes up, people, some of them, the goats will get up in the back. I don't want to hear that. I don't believe that. Just remember always, God's sheep, the Spirit of God has placed in them an ear. Instinctually, they respond to the voice of Jesus, even though that voice is mediated through people who are fallible. People who don't always get everything right. He knows how to filter that. And they hear his voice. I think that's a beautiful thing. I go to the sheep pen and I raise my voice, even though it's not Jesus personally. 
It's mediated through his spirit. And God's people have filters and they hear. That's the voice of Jesus. And they go out of the sheep pen, they respond to it, and they follow me. In the ancient East, did that really happen? Oh, yes. We are told by observers that they've seen it. They've been there at the sheep pens. And the shepherds would call the sheep, and they'd do it by name. You know, there weren't huge... I don't know what their names were, but they'd call them by, by name. And those sheep would know their shepherd's name. You know, what's that tell you and me? The Lord just didn't call a blob. This church is just a blob. He knows you by name. And he calls you by name. You're a person in his sight. A person. And he knows you personally. Just like a snowflake. How can he create individual snow? He does. I can't explain that. And he knows you by name. Sheep will hear a stranger. Now it doesn't always work out perfectly. Jesus is speaking in more or less idealistic or generalized terms. He says, when he puts forth his own, he goes before the sheep, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. I want to come back to that, the sheep follow him. But a stranger, they simply will not follow, but will flee from him. Because they do not know the voice of strangers. There's something strange about the stranger. That's a voice they don't follow. We live in a day, it could be said, thank you, hon. John, she's better looking than you. (laughs) Thank you, hon. And thank you, dear. Thank you, John, for making the effort. Okay, there we are. This is a relaxed factor, has been for me in the latter part of my ministry as I've gotten my head around this. As a pastor, it's right that I worry about you. The elders worry about you as sheep. We worry what you're exposed to. There are so many voices out there. We call it a cacophony. Voices coming from all directions over top of one another. And you think, Lord, how in the world are they going to survive? There's this voice and that voice. And then in our day, there's all this media. How are they going to know what to believe? How are they going to know what to direct? Well, if you're his sheep, if you're one of his lambs, He knows. And he implants in you an ear over top of all of the cacophony of voices to recognize his voice. Once in a while, you may make a, people do make false starts. And I say, well, Lord, why do you let them make false starts? 
Some people need, they're a little stubborn in a way. They need to make a false start and get burnt. I remember my girls, Christy, Julie, when they were little, we had a little stove in our kitchen, our parsonage. And for like kids, boys are usually the worst, but they wanted to go over and touch that heater where they're going to get burnt. I'd always try to run in front of them, trying to keep them from getting, one day I just decided to let them touch it. Let them touch it. And they did one day, never got seriously burnt. They never did that again. Sometimes certain of God's people, the way they're made up, they need to touch it. They need to stick their toe in the water. They need to stick their fingers there and find out, hmm, this is not his voice. This is not his place. This is not his doing. They learn. At the end of the day, a stranger they will not follow. They'll back away. I'm always amazed, always amazed at how some people see it and some people don't. You see, they've been taught better. They know better. They're not his. One of the surest signs that the member sitting beside you You know, I'm speaking in kind of a figure, don't you? It does not really belong to him is who they follow. You can just put it down. If they go this away instead of that away, they're sending a message, unless it's a temporary sickness that the Lord's going to use to bring them down and say, oh, I don't know how I did that. That was so dumb. So I've learned to watch that as a pastor and just understand, well, there's a differentiator, a stranger they will not follow. But notice what Jesus said. Go back. He said, they will follow me. The shepherd will call to them. In chapter 10, we'll see this again. He says, they do what? F-O-L-O-W. If we belong to the Lord, if we are his sheep, we will follow him. We're not the kind that just says, anybody here know Jesus? Yes. But do you follow him? Do you take him seriously? Well, from the time, even before I went into ministry, called into it I noticed that so many people there was that reformer instinct still there sitting in our churches it's a Sunday only proposition if that these days it's hardly that it's not starting on Monday morning and walking after Jesus what would Jesus do What would Jesus say about this? What's right? What's wrong? So few people in the average church even ask those questions. But those that know him, at the end of the day when the Lord comes, 
they follow him. You remember the parable in Matthew 25 when the Lord comes and Jesus says he'll gather all before him, all the nations have come before him. And Jesus says to one group, I'm just kind of cutting to the chase. You're mine because I want to read it. This is a passage that gets regularly misinterpreted and screwed up. One second here. The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then he gets down to shoe leather, not the lippy stuff. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you you didn't you invited me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. In prison because of persecution, not foul behavior. Then the righteous... So who's he talking to? The righteous, the justified, those who know him. They will answer, Lord, this mystery to us. When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty or give you to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick and imprisoned? Mystery to us. He said, I will say to them, I say unto you, to the extent you did it unto one of these, my what? My brothers, not just a general population. He's talking about the church, capital C. You recognize me and my people and my sheep and you rose. You just didn't talk. You weren't just lippy. You put hands and feet on your faith. You followed me. This is what you did. Then he turns to the rest. Inasmuch as you did not do it unto one of these, my brothers, he will say to those on the left, depart from me, accursed ones, into eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry, and you gave me nothing. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and on and on and on. You didn't do it. You didn't follow me. All talk, no walk. His sheep, he says, they hear his voice. And they, F-O-L-L-O-W, they follow him. They get up in the morning. The text doesn't say this. This is the spirit. They get up in the morning, set out for their day. And they are concerned about what his will is. They're concerned about what he'd want them to do, concerned about where he'd want them to be, concerned about where he'd want them to go. Yes. Jesus says, My sheep know my voice, and they follow me. Well, folks, There's enough for us to mull on all week, isn't there? I'm the shepherd of the sheep. The people who have access to my sheep are the ones that come to the door. 
There are always people who are trying to come in some other way, a roundabout way, because they want my flock. I never understand why. I never understand why people who don't know God, even their shepherds, why they'd ever want anything to do with it. But they do. They like power. They like influence. They like money. They like maybe what they think is prestige. If there's prestige, I haven't found it yet. But it's all kinds of weird stuff. But there are always people trying to come up some other way. But you know them because they don't follow Jesus. They may say Jesus. Just like some people say James, but they're not talking about this James. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Lord of glory, the Savior of the world. They will follow him. Well, we invite you to come to Jesus, the shepherd of the sheep. We invite you to repent, to trust in him. And then, as is appropriate, to follow him, the shepherd of the sheep. What do you need to do to get in his sheep pen? Say, I want to be his sheep. And mean it. And repent for being a goat. That's what needs to happen. And the sooner the better. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and all your bounty. We thank you for a beautiful day. We thank you, Lord, for our health, for our safekeeping. We thank you for this body of believers for people who are in large measure following you. We thank you for that. I thank you for the joy of being their pastor. We pray your blessing upon everyone, and we know, Lord, there are some out there sitting in this building. There are some who are in a state of grief. They're hurting emotionally. Some of the things that we call bad things have happened to them, yet we know all good th- all things work together for good to those who know you who are called according to your purpose. We just rejoice in all of your kindness. And we pray for everyone in this room that you may do in their hearts and lives whatever most immediately needs to be done for the glory of God. We ask it in his name. Amen.